Good morning, and thank you for listening to the Walking by Faith podcast with Rev. Mark Hawks of Crossroads Ministries. Listeners may follow Crossroads Ministries on social media and visit our website, crossroadsministries.webador.com, for our monthly devotionals, platforms, and more. I want to thank you for joining us here again today. This is Mark Cox, and this is the Walking by Faith podcast. I do appreciate you coming by and being with us. I want to look at the 8th chapter of the book of St. John. 8th chapter of the book of St. John, verse 1. Very familiar scripture and very well-known passage in the Bible. In verse 1, And Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down, and he talked them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. I want you to just to notice there in the first few verses that he went into the temple, and he sat down, and he taught the people. And, all, and it says that all the people came unto him. He didn't have any trouble drawing a crowd. The people came to Christ, and he taught them. And they, verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. And verse 4, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Well, the first question I got is, where is the man? What it could well be they tried to apprehend. They tried to apprehend the man, and he got away. I don't know. But it doesn't say anything about the man. It just brings the woman. And notice in verse 4, they say unto him, Master, that they didn't, they didn't accept him as master. They, they were even lying about that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless and open up the Word of God to us. Heavenly Father, without you we can do nothing. Lord, anoint your Word. Enable me to be able to break the bread of life. Send it forth. May it accomplish that where you send it. Help me. Enable me. Lord, we're nothing but clay. We're nothing but servants. Lord, we pray that you bless your Word. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So they call him Master. They don't perceive him as Master. They don't accept him as Master. Matter of fact, they reject him as Master. So there they're lying from the get-go. And they bring him, verse 5, now Moses, they say to Jesus, and they already know that. They already know this, and everybody knows what the Mosaic law says about this. Now, Moses and the law commanded us that, you know, in other words, they're trying to make themselves look like that they're carrying out God's law by bringing this woman there. And they're just trying to help God along, and they're just, you know, just trying to be good little helpers. Actually, what they're trying to do is they're trying to entrap Christ, and they're trying to make themselves look good. The only reason why they ever, pretty much ever engaged Christ in anything, even, even his miracles, was somehow to entrap him. And he says, and he says in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should, that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? They want to know what's your opinion. We want to know if you're opposed to the Mosaic law. We want to know what you say. Well, I'm glad they asked. And in verse 6, and this, they said, tempting him. They only came to tempt him. That's the reason why this whole thing happened. Not because they care about morality. Not because they care about the woman in the act of adultery. And they've got to make sure that she's punished properly. They're not concerned about that at all. Many people today in church leadership and many people who are cold and indifferent and many so-called Christians and, and imposters, pastors and imposter Christians put up a facade, a hypocritical face, and they, and they say that they're doing this because they care about righteousness. But in reality, they only want to elevate themselves and make themselves look good. I've always said there are certain people in this world, in all walks of life, the only way they can stand tall is that they stand on you. And in verse 6, and they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. He stooped down and with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, I want to use for a subject and for a text today, no, not one. 
No, not one. Now, let's go on here and let's look and see. As he stoops down into the ground, they continue to ask the question. And he stoops down on the ground as though he heard them not. It's almost as if he's ignoring them. And I guess this right here even makes them a little bit more mad. How dare you not acknowledge us? We've got you trapped here. You have to give an answer. You have to say one way or another. Is she guilty or is she not? Will she be stoned or will she be set free and not be punished according to the Mosaic law? We have you trapped this time. That's what they thought. And they were very, I'd say they were very super sensitive about Jesus stooping on the ground and not answering their question as though he heard them not. But it wasn't him that didn't hear them. They didn't hear him. He stooped on the ground and he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Many people speculate, what did he write on the ground? Well, I tell you, here, get ready for a bombshell. Here's a revelation I'm going to give to you. I don't know. And anybody tells you that he does know, he don't know, because it's only speculation. One speculation and one opinion may be better than mine. We've all got an opinion. If, if the Lord wanted us to know what he wrote on the ground, he would have told us, but he didn't tell us. So therefore, we're left to speculate. And mine's just as good, and not better, or worse than yours. We do know she was taken in the act of adultery. We know that she'd broken the Mosaic law. We know that she was guilty. We know that the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't care about the law. They didn't care about anything except entrapped in Christ, and they addressed him as master. He, they did not perceive him. They did not take him and accept him as their master. They lied about that. They only used this as a, an occasion to entrap Christ. And then they felt like they were being ignored. And in verse 7, he said, And when they continued asking him, remember, no, not one. He lifted up himself and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me just say this up front right here, right now. On this side of eternity, there is not one person on this side of eternity who can pick up a stone and throw it at anyone and be justified. Let me say that one more time. There's not a person, there's not a human being on this side of eternity that can pick up a rock, a stone, and stone somebody to death for their sins and be justified. No, not one on this side of eternity, right here in this present world. And in verse 8, after he rose and he said, He that is without sin, let him first cast the stone. And again, he stooped down again and he wrote on the ground again. What did he write again? I don't know. I don't know what he wrote the first time. I think that he wrote down the names of the men that had been with the woman. I think he wrote down the men, the names of the men who had been with this very woman. Only difference is they had not been caught. Their sin had not been exposed. And when he wrote down their names, they looked at each other in absolute amazement. And they says, how does he know that? How does he know my secret sins? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that everything that we have to do appears open and naked before him to whom we have to do. He sees everything in the light. As I said before, secret sins upon this earth are open scandal in heaven. Jesus knew what was in man. He need not that any man testify of him because he knew what was in man. And, they, and that made them feel very uncomfortable. I think that's what he wrote down. May have been. That's just my speculation. That's just my opinion. I don't know because the Bible doesn't clearly tell us what he wrote. And again, he stoops down, verse 8, and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Here's the woman expected to be stoned to death, full of fear, no hope, facing death. And suddenly they all left one by one. And in verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself, he lifted up himself again. He said unto her, Woman, where are thy accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And in verse 11, and she said, she looked around and she couldn't, I'd say she couldn't believe it. She already had a death sentence. She was just a few seconds away from total, complete death. 
and a horrible death to be stoned to death. And Jesus said, Woman, whore are thy accusers? Has no man condemned thee? <laughs> the sweetest words I ever heard him say was, I forgive. That, that's the sweetest words he ever said. When my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's the sweetest words that I've ever heard falling from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are thy accusers? Jesus didn't drive them away. They were all drove away by their own conscience and by their own conviction of sin. He didn't run them off. He didn't scare them off. They all left. Woman of whore are thy accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. She called him Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. <laughs> no, not one. There's nobody like our Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody. I like that song. There's an old hymn that was written some years ago. You can Google and find out who wrote it. And it says, No, not one. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all my sin's diseases, my soul's diseases. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide us till the day is done. There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Was there ever a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one. There's never been one like Christ. We have our senses. We depend upon our senses. We, we deal with speculation. And when you break it down, everything that we perceive and have and know, we perceive it by speculation or by revelation. We have our five senses. We have sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Or touch, taste, smell, sound, and sight. The most precious one that we have, the senses, is the ability to be able to see. I think we lost that. We, I think we had to give up one. We've never give up that. We might give up our sense of sound or smell or taste or touch, but we sure wouldn't want to lose our sight. We would hold on to that sense. But everything we receive is by speculation or by revelation. We have our five senses to depend upon. I want you to turn with me here to the book of Revelation, talking about no, not one. There's only one. And there's only one Jesus Christ. We find here in the fifth chapter, book of Revelations. And John writes, and he says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And he said, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, no man, no, not one. The Bible says, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look, thereupon. And in verse 4, John the Revelator, he began to cry. He said, I wept much. Now, just to make this a short commentary, to put it simple and short. Here in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelations, the deed in the title of the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, Satan is proclaimed in the book of Corinthians to be the God of this world. He is the God of this present world. And whom he has, the God of this world has, has darkened the minds and the hearts of those in this world, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ should shine unto them. The God of this world has blinded them. Here we find here that Jesus Christ, they're looking for somebody. They have to find a savior. They have to find somebody that is able to be strong enough and worthy enough to receive and take back the title and the deed to planet earth. And it says here in verse 3, And no man in heaven, no one, nor in earth, Neither under the earth was able to open the book, and neither to look upon it. And John began to weep, because no one was found, no man was found, no not one was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And verse 5, here's the answer. Here's the glorious victory. And one of the elders, when John began to weep, began to cry. All hope was gone. No, not one. There is one. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And they cried in the book of Revelations, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain from the foundations of the world. No, not one. There is one. The McCambies also had a song out some years ago. I don't know how current it is, but it goes something like this. And it's titled, We All Need a Savior. Amen.
That's the title of the song by the McCamies. We all need a Savior. And it goes like this. Now there's only one sent down from heaven, Jesus Christ, God's Son. He paid our sin debt in whom we have our freedom. We all need a Savior, and there's only one. Amen. We've been lied to. We've been deceived. We've been deceived. We've been told to follow our heart and be what we want to be. But on the day of judgment, what would he say to you? We all need a Savior, and there's only one. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 12, talking about our senses of sight and sound and smell and taste and touch. The Apostle Paul, not talking about speculation, but talking about revelation. Paul said in Galatians 1 and 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. What did he write up on the ground? I have no idea. All I can do is speculate. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. So the wise men from the east come to Jerusalem. They knew of the prophecies, and they come to Herod the king. And they told Herod the king, We have come to worship the king. And when Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And verse 4, And when he had gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes, what is a scribe? A scribe is a member of a learned class in ancient Israel. Through New Testament times, studying the scriptures, they were to prepare copies of sacred literature and put them on scrolls. In other words, they were the masters of the Hebrew law. So when the wise men come to Jerusalem and they address King Herod, and they said, we've come to worship. We've come to worship he that is born king of the Jews. Well, Herod didn't like that because I'm the king of the Jews. This is my jurisdiction. I'm the king here. So that's why it says that he was troubled in verse 3. And then what did he do? He called upon the chief priests and he called upon the scribes, the masters of the Hebrew law. And he demanded, verse 4, he didn't ask, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Well, the scribes, they knew where the Christ was to be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it was prophesied that thousands of years. But thou, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, you get out of these shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, whom's going forth has been from of old, from everlasting. And in verse 5, and they said unto him, In Bethlehem. See, they knew the answer. They knew where the Christ was to be born. And in verse 6, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Verse 7, And then Herod, when he had privately called the wise man, he inquired of them, and he said, At what time the, the, the star appeared? And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. Herod didn't want to come and worship him. He wanted to kill him. Have you ever asked yourself the question of the scribes? How they knew where he would be born, yet not one of them went. No, not one scribe went with the wise men. Not one scribe with all the knowledge that they had. Masters of the Hebrew law. Not one of the scribes are went with the wise men. Not one. They say the more you know, the further you'll go. Not always. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I close with the words of the Apostle Paul, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Walking by Faith podcast with Rev. Mark Hawks of Crossroads Ministries. Podcasts air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Listeners may follow Crossroads Ministries on Facebook for all the latest updates. And if you would like to partner with Crossroads Ministries and Walking by Faith, consider donating through our Anchor or Spotify platforms. If you have a prayer request, you may message us via the Facebook Messenger app and all requests are kept private. Because we walk by faith, not by sight, we hope that this message has touched your hearts and your homes this Sunday.